0: You're listening to Creativity in the Capital, a Solving Sacramento podcast.
1: Hi, I'm Casey Rafter. On this show, we find two artists or creatives in the Sacramento area and pair them together to discuss their successes, their struggles, and how they feel they fit into the Sacramento creative community. The two strangers are provided a list of questions and off they go. In our fourth episode, we've paired Liv Moe and Jennifer Jackson. Sacramento artist and writer Liv Moe is the founder, curator, and director of the Verge Center for the Arts, which offers residency programs, exhibitions, and workshops to artists. She also founded and edited the now-defunct Midtown Monthly Magazine from 2008 to 2012. Her own work as an artist has been shown at Crocker Art Museum, California Museum, and Nelson Gallery at UC Davis. Now the Manetti Shrem Museum of Art. Placerville native Jennifer Jackson not only owns Grigio Art Consulting, which places art in commercial and healthcare spaces, she is the co-founder of M5 Arts, Art Street, and Art Hotel. She's also co-founder of the Red Museum, a performance and art warehouse that's welcomed acts like Steve Anoni, Flower Vato, and Art Lessing, L.A. Witch, and is home to the annual music festival Red X. Mo and Jackson met up recently at Verge to talk about the need for more spaces in the region for artists to show their work and the benefits of having a mayor that embraces their industry. Mo got the conversation started by lamenting the lack of local galleries.
2: I think one of the big concerns I have is that we're at an all-time low for galleries and it's like we can't keep a gallery up in here to save our life. And the idea that people wouldn't just go and invest in a piece of art by somebody that they like, that is a huge concern. How long have you been in the Sacramento region? 1986. I was 11 when I got here. Yeah, I moved here with my folks. And then, yeah, I stayed here. I mean, to be honest, that was not my intention. I thought I would probably leave for grad school. And then I got this job, which is why I'm still here. It's kind of funny having a conversation about, like, do people stay in Sacramento? Because it was not my intention to stay in (laughs) Sacramento. So I guess I prove a point of some kind. But even if I had gone someplace else, Sacramento feels more home-like to me than any place else I've lived.
0: I kind of, born in San Francisco, grew up in the foothills. Skipped Sacramento, went to Davis. Went to Davis. (laughs) Which is, like, a very important part of our ecosystem. And then went back to the Bay and didn't really even know that sacramento was a viable cultural center through all of that like even going to davis it wasn't really on the radar there which is so strange to me and then i had some musician friends who moved here and there seemed to be like a scene around that so i ended up coming back here from san francisco for affordability honestly i was like i want to buy a house that'll never happen in san francisco so i came to sacramento it
2: makes me a little crazy that there isn't
0: more exchange
2: between Davis and Sacramento mm-hmm. and between Sac State mm-hmm. and UC Davis. I think it's such a lost opportunity. We reissued the Slant Step book in 2019 on the 50th anniversary of the book. That book is, is an artifact from a time when there was a lot of back and forth between Davis and Sacramento. It was also really early in the establishment of the art department at UC Davis. I think it's one of the reasons I'm really interested in that time period. There was more of a cultural exchange happening. And then I think over time, especially probably in part because so many faculty there live in the Bay Area and commute, Mm -hmm. the focus and the exchanges started to head west. So Sacramento sort of dropped out of that. What do artists
0: need to make success a reality? Well, I think in a place like Sacramento, expanding your network is really important. It's really a Friend of a friend of a friend kind of city. That's how people go to shows. That's how people will go to openings. The more general desire to go out and experience new things that maybe you would find in a bigger city is not as quite as big here. And it is very uh, homies, supporting homies kind of way that you can kind of get the exposure you're looking for. I
2: really love it here because, you know, obviously I've stayed here, but There's a community that I adore, and, like, I'm never bored. I always have a lot to do, but you need to know where to find the things to do. It is definitely not, like being in Los Angeles or, you know, someplace like that where any night of the week, there's way more things to do than you would want to do. Mm-hmm. You know, there's plenty to do here. It's like an underground
0: network Yeah, you have to be plugged in. Yeah.
2: yeah, and I also think now with the dearth of publications and stuff, it's really difficult to find where to go anymore. Yes. Social media's algorithms are making it really hard to use that as a way to know what's going on because things don't come up all the time like they used to. There's really not a lot of publications. And so that has been something I've been
0: trying to understand recently is just how to let people know what you're doing. Even kind of the loss of as much as I hate Facebook, everyone hates it, but it had like event features that people would really use. Yeah. And there's nothing replacing that, especially with post-COVID like loss of imprint publication. I mean, growing up in Placerville, getting a physical copy of News and Review was a really big deal. Accessing that information is so difficult. When you think about how much we rely on just a few social media apps, and the way that they frame the information, yeah. how we get it, is just, it's just just—it's kind of disturbing, but it's also hard for people to, you know, do we go back to email or maybe we try to get social media handles that are doing the work that people are paying attention to.
2: Yeah, but then you still have to struggle with the algorithm. Mm-hmm. They have colleagues now that don't send press releases anymore mm-hmm. at all. They use, like, Google AdWords and things like that to come up in searches because... There's really not a whole lot of people to send a press release to anymore. I had a meeting with some of them recently and I thought, well, I'm going to ask them because I want to know what they do because I can't figure out what to do anymore. And maybe yeah. they have some avenues that they're sending things to. And instead they just said that they don't do it at all. <laughs> I was like, the problem with that too is that with Google search words, the only thing that people are finding is something that they may already be looking for. Mm-hmm. There isn't that experience of just discovering that there's like a silent film playing somewhere that has music being scored by a live musician. You'd have to know the venue and follow Mm -hmm. the venue, or you'd have to be familiar with that film Mm -hmm. and Googling it or something, which you probably wouldn't do. Right. You know, I love that Dreamland Cinema is now publishing an actual calendar mm-hmm. and distributing them like we used to in the old days, where you would go and leave things in coffee shops and stuff. Mm-hmm. Because yeah. it's a ton more work, but at least you get it in front of people. Yeah, because it's like, <laughs> yeah,
0: I don't know what else to do. <laughs> Another great thing happening with Dreamland is just that cross pollination with the Crocker hosting movie mm-hmm. nights nice that they're curating, yeah. and that's something that is I think really important in Sacramento is that cross pollination between like the organizers that we have between like visual art and music and film. A lot of the appreciators of those things appreciate the other mediums mm-hmm. and we need to just be pulling all those appreciators together into each other's worlds.
2: Yeah, and the truth is we
0: all share audience.
2: Mm-hmm. I mean, that's the thing that kind of makes me nuts when there's folks in this community that are not more receptive to partnering. You know, it's silly to think that we all just have these silos that are not crossing over and a lot of times, you know, the people who want to go out and do stuff are always looking to do stuff. It's not like they're just doing things with one menu. Right. <laughs> you know, it's not a loyalty program. I mean, it's kind of a weird thing and I think Even amongst some of the institutions and the partnerships, it just depends on who they feel like they don't lose as much skin in the game with to partner with versus who they might. Yeah. You know, that can sometimes be a hurdle.
0: Support for Creativity in the Capital comes from CAP Radio, the Sacramento region's public radio station and news site, and a member of the Solving Sacramento Journalism Collaborative. Read more at capradio.org. We put on a local music festival once a year at Red Museum. And it's hard to believe that there isn't more than three or 400 people in the greater Sacramento area that want to go to something like that. I don't think the audience doesn't exist for a lot of these things that we're doing. It's no. just, it really is about marketing. It's marketing. It's
2: also... Red Museum came up at a time that was kind of special within the city in terms of them wanting to be more flexible with a venue. Mm -hmm. They were supportive with you. And I think it's because they had been getting so much scrutiny Mm -hmm. that when something happened with you guys for your occupancy, they felt pressured to need to help with that. Right. And I think there's so many levels of things with the arts and culture scene in terms of what we really need to keep this moving and you know part of it obviously like I mentioned earlier is more galleries that really freaks me out that we yeah, that's can't a really seem to a deal. keep them open yeah but also for the music community we don't have the small venues that we used to have to some degree society is changing and like the way people consume live music is changing but also it's so difficult to make something happen it's hard to get a permit it's hard to get a liquor license or a one-day liquor license mm-hmm. as a nonprofit depending on the kind of show that you're going to do there's all those rules with entertainment permits mm-hmm. in terms of how many people you're hosting it's thinning out the number of small and experimental venues, too, which yeah. help the
0: ecosystem
2: survive. Yeah.
0: The mayor's state of the city addressed the small venue yeah. problem, under 500 person lack of performance spaces. I love that that topic is being brought to like that level of attention yeah, where me it too. was a state of the city. But it did still bring a little bit like... We're talking about DOCO, the arena area, and the people who own that real estate wanting activation on K Street. It didn't really feel like I it was think, coming from like a more grassroots I think it is coming from a grassroots perspective. Yeah. I
2: think I do, yeah, because I was in a couple of the meetings with the consultant that they brought in. Mm-hmm. Because I've been doing shows in Sacramento since, well, I don't really do that kind of stuff now, obviously. You know, in high school, I started helping organize punk shows at the Guild, and I started doing that in, like, 92. And then even after I started doing other things with my life and going to art school and stuff, I spent, like, the majority of my personal life in the punk scene. A lot of times there were shows that either had to be completely underground or else they would get shut down or there were limits to how long a venue would stay open Mm -hmm. because, you know, eventually they would just get shut down for various infractions and then that would be the end of it. They asked a whole bunch of us for all these different Bits of feedback in terms of things that we think were frustrating or onerous or unrealistic. And, you know, of course, like they bring up Austin and places like that all the time, Mm -hmm. which I just think is funny because it's like you go to those places and it's so obvious how supported that music scene is. Yeah. that to get to a place where there would be more activity, there would have to be way more support and flexibility for how we operate. So I think they're using K Street as a motivator because there's so much needed there because you have so many blocks of nothing (laughs) and it's been that way for so long. I think the biggest issue is that there's agencies that don't have to give up Any flexibility if they don't want to. You have people that are looking at the worst case scenario, making decisions. Yeah. And, you know, sometimes those aren't always people that are going out and consuming live music and really seeing what it's actually like. And I just think, how much willingness will there be from those places? And I mean, if K Street ends up being the motivator, great. Because if it changed there, it'd have to change
0: everywhere. And if that's what it takes, go for it but something needs to make it happen well yeah for so long we've been making it so hard that we've stifled something and yep. now we're like wait never mind we want it back and it's like we've virtually like killed off a lot of the energy and now you're saying bring it back but do it here that's frustrating
2: When we were doing the Midtown Monthly, there was a writer that had done research on the history of the dance permit and all these other things, and some of that stuff goes back to segregation. It was a way to control what people were doing with their social lives. The fact that we haven't revisited some of these policies and looked at why they were brought into place in the first place Mm -hmm. is really crazy to me and like you know the things around amplified sound what is the difference so if you yeah. have a dj then that's infinitely suddenly more dangerous or if your guitar is plugged into an amplifier then right. things are going to go sideways i mean I
0: just right it's yeah. like, the insurance what different genres
2: of- yeah also there brings up mm-hmm. you know a lot of discrimination and a lot of intolerance there's so much that needs to get unpacked there and given another look. And it is frustrating that it would take an entertainment district to make some of this happen, but if it changes there, then it means that if somebody decides to open a club in Midtown or yeah. Oak Park, they're not going to be constrained to those same old school rules about 49 people and you need a security guard and, you know, God help you if you want to amplify your music. <laughs> one of the things about Sacramento that on on one hand, if it wasn't frustrating, I'd probably find it a little bit more charming. What it actually is (laughs) versus where it sees itself going is sometimes really funny to me. It's still a very kind of small town attitude. And there's dimensions of that that sometimes I like because it does make it easy to navigate. And it does sometimes feel like a place that's kind of knowable in the way that small towns can be. Mm -hmm. But then there's other ways in which we conduct business and create policy. And it's like we haven't... Quite gotten to the place yet where we're thinking
0: of ourselves as a mature adult. It feels like we're constantly afraid of like being slapped on the wrist or something. Yeah, you know, it's, it's not like we feel like it's our place to do whatever we want. I mean, it's a government town. I just think there's a government yeah. regulation mentality. The major industries and employers here, and the whole mindset of like government legislative healthcare is a big industry here. That does set the tone mm-hmm. for the city. Because we have
2: the state here and there's already this hardwired industry here, you don't have the motivation to divine yourself to be something else. Because no matter what, there's always a certain percentage of a population that has to be here to supply all those places with employees. mm mm-hmm. It's a blessing and a curse because on the one hand, you have some dedicated employment opportunities. That's a nice security blanket, Mm -hmm. but it does turn it into a government town. It makes it kind of conservative and it doesn't motivate experimentation because you're not trying to attract other industries because you already have this massive industry.
0: Support for Creativity in the Capital comes from Russian American Media, serving the Sacramento region Slavic community with news and events, and a member of the Solving Sacramento Journalism Collaborative. Read more at rammers.live.
2: Have you ever doubted your commitment to your artistic pursuits or struggled
0: (laughs) with sticking with pursuing that passion? I'm going to say no, because I just, I feel so lucky. This is a great thing about Sacramento. If you have a vision and you do build a network, you can make up your own little slice here, I feel like. I mean, that's what Word Museum is. That's like my art consulting business. I feel really lucky to have those two funnels for creativity to kind of amplify what you do is... Yeah, credible here. I can't imagine Sacramento without Verge.
2: Thank you. I think that it's absolutely proximity has enabled us to do what we're doing
0: you know, in terms of being able to know
2: people and do stuff. There's two visual arts institutions in the region with budgets over five hundred thousand. And that's us in the Crocker. Mm-hmm. And for a city with the population size that we have, it blows my mind sometimes how few visual arts resources we have here and how many mm-hmm. visual arts institutions. Mm-hmm. It's just kind of weird. If you're trying to convince people of your value and what you contribute and and what the richness is, if There's limits to how much you have. It means that there's not a huge population driving demand for it. I'm in a group that is leaders of organizations that are above 500,000 and more operating. There's two visual arts and then eight or nine performing. Hmm. Why is that? I mean, I feel really lucky to be doing what I'm doing. And I love that I can get to work every day and pursue my own vision. I think that's amazing. Because we're not attracting people to be here to be creative Mm -hmm. or to seek artistic opportunities, then you don't have as much of a foundation to work from that are already aware of art and want to support art. You're getting the people who are just already here versus people who have come here because it's a cultural place to be. Right. Art that you see emerge from this region becomes kind of an interesting thing to follow because it's evolving out of the community that's here. You know what I mean? It's not necessarily an exchange or a synergy of things that are coming in and out all the time it's what's already here in terms of art that's produced here that you know does sometimes limit the exchange <laughs>
0: you know? right and exchange is, is another really important topic for sacramento just that import export touring bands or exhibits come through here appreciating it, making it a good experience for those artists Mm -hmm. is important. Also, why are they going to come back here? How does that inspiration and connection travel down into the local community? And then you get those opportunities to go out into other cities, you know, be ushered into a different scene. And I think that's
2: because of those limits in terms of the exchanges that happen. A lot of what we're doing originates here. There's often this, like, very hard locals-only mm-hmm. idea about especially visual art. With music, mm-hmm. there's not this, like, how dare you have a band from San Diego playing <laughs> here. But God forbid you would be doing something with a visual artist from out of yeah. town. I just think that's so weird. There's not, like, a one-to-one opportunity removed from another person when... You explore an outside artist. What if you met that artist and now you know an artist out of town? Yeah. A lot of times people get curated into shows by other artists.
0: Yeah. So it would help you to know people outside of your community. Yeah. I think it just it comes from people feeling so limited in their opportunities. Yeah. And so to lose one is like a big deal. But I agree, that's not really the right framework. It's like, this is still an opportunity in a different way.
2: It's definitely coming from a scarcity mindset. Mm-hmm. And I mean, in some ways that goes back to the, the fact that we have so few visual arts institutions in the region. Yes. And then also there's so few galleries. And so if you have work that you're trying to get out there, mm-hmm. where are you going to show it?
0: I'm meeting with artists, like career artists now, because I'm starting to curate For UC Davis Health, and they're like, Yeah, we don't really have a gallery I'd want to show out in Sacramento. There's just not, it's not worth it. All of the work it is to do a show, and there really aren't people buying, so it's like, Why am I gonna go through all of that? I get it. Yeah,
2: it makes sense. I mean, it's just so weird. I think that there's a lot of people here that haven't made that connection yet that they could just buy an original piece of art for their house. Mm -hmm. The people who have means to do it, they haven't quite thought through that part. If they are decorating, they're decorating with things that they've bought from a department store. And they appreciate local art. They like going to art shows. They like going to Second Saturday. But they haven't quite made that connection yet. That, Why don't I buy a piece of art
0: when yeah.
2: I go look at that art?
0: <laughs> yeah, know? it's like people like the experience of going right. out and experiencing the art scene. But there is a monetary aspect. Like you have to right. financially support it or it will stop existing, it, you
2: know? Yeah. When I started editing the Midtown Monthly in 2006, Six, I think. There was a lot of galleries to cover. 40 Acres in Oak Park. There was Solomon Dubnik in the Mars Project. Barry is still there, Barry Sapata, JJ's gone. And I mean, these were all galleries that had been around for a while. You know, like mm-hmm. Solomon Dubnik at that point had been around for like 25 years. There was a bit more of
0: a culture of mm-hmm. like going out, going to galleries, buying a piece of art. It's really not that long ago when Second Saturday was like such a big deal for Sacramento. Yes, it was based in art and galleries. But then it was like, this is the night you go to Midtown and you spend in restaurants. You spend in bars and and then you go to a show after. It was a whole economy happening every month. I think people felt like it was it lost its soul a little bit in all of that. Yeah. We covered
2: that Mental Monthly, too. Mm-hmm. So we did an article about the peak of Second Saturday because there was mm-hmm. that period of time where you could barely get down the street. And then there was a shooting that happened on a second Saturday, not connected to second Saturday, I will note. It was a show that had let out at the Memorial Auditorium. A fight broke out after the show. The fight continued over to, I think, somewhere near streets of London, and someone got shot at like 11 o'clock at night. It got dubbed as a second Saturday shooting mm-hmm. because it happened on that night. And so then following that, there was all these rules activities had to start concluding at dusk second Mm -hmm. saturday was primarily a summer activity which was really lame for those of us who do things year round if you were a vendor that popped up on the street you couldn't sell anything that you didn't make yourself so that got rid of a bunch of the street vendors they changed the rules about amplified sound this This is the the regulation city it slowly killed it Yeah. yeah And at the time, it was so frustrating, because it's like, yes, of course, that shooting was a tragedy that was terrible. It was not related to the
0: activity. Yeah. Again, the state of the city, just talking about the shooting that happened down there, it's like, these are totally tragic events, but then over-regulating and then stifling the nightlife, and then begging for it to come back. I'm not going to name names, but there's bars that are known for how off the chain
2: they get consistently Mm -hmm. okay granted no one's getting shot there but it's bad it's like fights are breaking out there people are throwing up in the street people are peeing on the street I don't understand where and why like there's certain places where it's like this
0: is not okay but we're going to turn a blind eye to this right but and then also this is kind of a small city mindset big cities sometimes things happen now. Yeah, because you have a lot of people and you have yeah, people out a, of a lot doing of, stuff. Exactly.
2: No, I know. And I think we are kind of in a moment right now where we have to think about what our infrastructure looks like and what sorts of things need to happen to save or preserve the health of some of the things that we value, like the music scene. hmm As far as the galleries, I don't really... I keep thinking about that, and I'm not sure what to do. I mean, I've wondered if part of it gets back to the lack of publications and the way to share Mm -hmm. information. Because also, at the height of Second Saturdays, the News and Review had that map. I know. I love the
0: map. You know, what do you do to have people consistently aware of what's happening? Your actions affect your community and your culture, right? So if you do care about these things, you have to, like, physically go out Attend things, financially support things, and make it part of your lifestyle. Like, if you say you love the vibrancy of Midtown, you can't go to, like, Applebee's and a movie on a Friday night. you got to come go to a local restaurant, go to a show, and be involved. And it's also just a small enough city to where if you really love something there are so many ways that you can be involved which is really where you're getting the most out of a scene like this I yeah. think because if you're volunteering or maybe you take great photos come out and maybe photograph what's going on yeah. and just Share it, you know, like we're all participants in the ecosystem here. Sharing things with other people makes a huge difference. Like if, if you
2: have gone someplace and it was cool, mentioning it, putting it on social media or telling somebody about something, word of mouth at this point is just so important. We do a survey every year after the studio tour is over. And I've noticed that the individual sales in artist studios is going up, as is the attendance on the tour, which I think is amazing because it mm-hmm. means that people are going into an artist studio, which in itself sometimes is intimidating for people. I know that a lot of people feel like they don't know how to look at art. You know, I think the idea that you would go into somebody's studio and look at their art as somebody who might not feel like they're that knowledgeable is intimidating. Mm-hmm. But then to do that and go a step further and actually buy work from an artist in your community is really cool. Yeah, I'm seeing it both in the surveys we're getting back and I'm hearing about it anecdotally from people that are going on the tour that they're buying art from artists when they go out. You know, I see that as an encouragement,
0: but I don't know what it translates into. (laughs) I'm more of an organizer and we both curate. But I think something Sacramento creatives could maybe be a little bit better at is having an online presence, having a good enough website or a landing point to where if you do go out and you're like, oh yeah, I saw something or I took a picture of this piece. Now I want to like look up the artist and just see. And I know that's like a big step for a lot of people to take the time to kind of document and have a landing place. For their work, but that's a huge part of the exchange as well.
2: That helped during the pandemic, because that first year of the pandemic, the studio tour went online. We had a lot of artists up until that point who had been resistant to having a more robust online presence, mm-hmm. and they were really relying on the magazine that we put out and the things related to the infrastructure of the tour from Verge's perspective. But obviously that changed because everybody was online that year. So we really upped the resources we provided people and like how to flesh out their social media, how to make it so that somebody can buy your art off of your Instagram, all that stuff. I could totally tell.
0: Yeah. Thank you for doing that. Yeah. Getting a website,
2: all of those things. And it was everything from like, if they had the resources, how to find the right person to do it for them. Mm -hmm. And if they don't, how to do it themselves. Because at this point, there's so much between can. Inva, mm-hmm. And like all the different templates for websites. It's not mm-hmm. like the old days where if you had a website, it cost you like 1500 bucks, right. and you had to spend all this time thinking about it. That has made a huge, huge difference. I am seeing a lot more people promoting the things they're doing and sharing it. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I mean, maybe that's... For a while, maybe for those of us who want to go find things, it's just more work on our part because you're not going to a handful of galleries anymore. You're having to, like, follow individual people.
0: Yeah, (laughs) definitely. Yeah, there's, like, those hubs of, like... Oh, I'm, thank God the Open Studios tour yeah. guy is here. Well, and then you
2: have two weekends where you can go hit a whole bunch of people.
0: Actually, that's something
2: that I have started to think about because this year I think we were just under 270 artists. The year before that, we were at like 275 or something. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's almost 300 artists... And those are just the ones that sign up for the tour. I mean, there's infinitely more out there. Mm -hmm. That's another place where I'm just like, the studio tour is amazing, but that's once a year. So like, where else do they put stuff out? We brought back the uh, artist salon, you know, after the pandemic. And we're getting really good turnout, probably 30 or so people every month. But when we first started doing it, we had to have this, like, kind of conversation with the group. Like, hey, this is not just a complaint about the Sacramento art scene thing. It's not that your grievances are not valid. Mm -hmm. And we appreciate that you need a place to have those dialogues. But this is about having a conversation about art concepts and ideas. It's not about getting together and venting about what the Sacramento art community lacks. I've been thinking about that a lot. At some point, I mean, there's certainly things that we're deficient in, but there's a lot of things about this community and this scene that I also think are really positive and great that we are taking for granted on a regular basis. You know, one of which the fact that we've had a mayor that's been so so receptive to supporting the arts for the last few years, which is amazing. And not just in a talking points way or in an optics way, because, you know, there was the whole for art's sake thing and everything under Kevin Johnson, but it didn't materialize into any actual support for anybody. Mm -hmm. And it can always be built on, but there's definitely other things as well that we can point to and say, you know, these are good. And so it's like, what do we do collectively
0: to make things continue to move forward? And this is also like recovering from like the period of quarantine, but like getting back in that mindset of like being an active participant. Mm-hmm. You see people organizing or doing the things that you want to see and really thinking about how you can support that. Yeah, you go can't out. just admire it from the sidelines in a city like this. It's not just the Sacramento. Like we have all of this suburban sprawl around us and we have Davis and we have these great, cute foothill towns an hour away. This is like where our bigger beacons of the culture are. Having that relationship with all of these outlying areas and feeling like it's not just midtown for midtown. The advantages of Sacramento are It's accessible. Mm -hmm. It's easy to enter and be a part of these bigger things that are happening. Uh, It's very welcoming. And you don't have to have a lot of experience or background or even the right kind of education to participate in the art scene. Yeah. And enjoy it. Which is something I've always really appreciated about it.
2: But, you know, I also think sometimes the easiness of Sacramento... (laughs) ...is one of the problems. Yeah. Years ago, when I first met Phil Hitchcock, who used to be the director of the Sac State Library Gallery... He moved here from Chicago. He was always really grumpy about how quote unquote easy Sacramento is because the weather's nice. People are typically pretty laid back here. And so there isn't that like motivating drive. You, ha- you know, you're not competing. You're not having to get up and hit it every damn day. You know, he just was like, yeah, it's just so easy here. It's like a dulling effect. And it was really funny. I hadn't thought about it, but I was like, <laughs> it is kind of chill.
0: And it is chill. I think a know, lot of artists that do stay here like that though mm-hmm. there it's like you can be reclusive and kind of pop your head out You can do your work, and then there's still just enough here to, like, not distract you because it's only so much going on, but there is uh, something to participate in when you want to. And the
2: weather's usually pretty nice, with the exception of the occasional heat wave or wildfire. But, you know, it doesn't freeze here. You're not shoveling Mm -hmm. snow. We don't get hurricanes. So it's like,
0: he wasn't wrong. It's kind of an easy town. And... Proximity City. Got a lot of places yeah. to go fill the cup with yeah. some inspiration. What's next? Do you have the art auction coming up? like In, in two the, weeks. more immediate
2: future, yeah. Yeah. Speaking of things that you can engage with to support the regional arts community, we also just got a fairly substantial grant from the state of California to build more art studios. You know, it's true. There's very, very few artist residencies in Sacramento, but we have one that the studio is free and you get a $300 stipend for the duration of the residency. And then all the other studios here, we keep it at below market rate. So most of them are the same or less than it would cost you to run a storage unit, which is pretty crazy. And you do have to do, you know, you have to participate in the community here and you have to use the studio a certain amount every month in order to keep it. So it's not like it's just, you know, you can't treat it like a storage unit. (laughs) One of the things that initially I think made us so successful is that we had the only thing like that in the region. One of the things this Grant will do is going to um, provide the resources to build five more studios because at this point our waiting list is so
0: long we can't I was gonna say it. like is the demand I mean that's a good good thing to note. It's like the demand is there. People are producing and wanting that space.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And we have so many art departments in this region. So just that alone, you have all these faculty that are here to teach and to do things and they want to continue the community that they had wherever they came from. And then you also have students that are coming out of all the regional programs that want a place to go when they graduate, because what do Mm -hmm. you do? Mm -hmm. You know, if you don't have a cheap studio and you don't have a community to plug into, you're not going to stay here. We currently have 31 studios, and then soon we'll have 36. That's a real positive.
1: Creativity in the Capitol is a production of the Solving Sacramento Journalism Collaborative, hosted by me, Casey Rafter. This episode's intro and outro music is by Celia St. Croix. Celia's music is available on Spotify or any streaming platform. Solving Sacramento is supported by funding from the James Irvine Foundation and Solutions Journalism Network. Our partners include California Groundbreakers, Cap Radio, Outward, Russian American Media, Sacramento Business Journal, Sacramento News and Review, Sacramento Observer, and Univision 19. This conversation has been edited for length, clarity, and flow.